0: you're listening to the journey to launch podcast a guide to living with less so that you can have more with the afro minimalist
1: welcome to the journey to launch podcast with your host jamila as a money expert who walks her talk she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt save invest and build
0: real wealth Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in 5, four, 3, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. I am really excited, as I always am, to bring you this conversation. But I want to give you a heads up about this episode to let you know what's going on, because maybe you looked at it and you said, wow, this is a little shorter than Jamila's typical episodes. <laughs> and I want to tell you why, but Also, why you still should listen, because in this short amount of time, my guest today, Christine Platt, and I cover some topics that could change your life, okay? So, one, let me tell you just a little bit more about Christine Platt. Christine Platt is a modern-day Renaissance woman, also known as the Afro-minimalist. From serving as an advocate for policy reform to using the power of storytelling as a tool for social change, Christine's work reflects her practice of Living with Intention. She holds a BA in Africana Studies, MA in African American Studies, and a JD in General Law. Christine has written over two dozen literary works for people of all ages. When she's not writing, she spends her time curating her 630-square-foot home, chronicling her journey, and encouraging others to live with more authenticity and intention. She most recently wrote the book, The afro Minimalist Guide to Living with Less. And she's radically re-envisioning minimalism for everyone. And I, I really did enjoy talking to Christine. There's so many similarities between Christine's entry into the minimalist movement and creating space for herself and people who are marginalized and look like her. And also, I feel like my journey into financial independence and the retire early space, the FIRE movement. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about What happened with Christine's episode? So Christine and I tried to record this conversation twice. (laughs) The first time we started to record, 15 minutes in, the Wi-Fi, the whatever, the connection, it just was not working. So we decided to reschedule and do it another day. Then we recorded it this day. So what you'll hear is the second recording that Christine and I did. Now, the second recording was about an hour long and it was amazing, as usual, but again, this last part of our interview, the audio, the sound was corrupted and we couldn't use it, but we managed to salvage the first 20, 25 minutes of our conversation. And let me tell you, in that first 20, 25 minutes, we go there. And so I want you to enjoy this episode and then also stick around to learn how to win a copy of Christine's book, The afro Guide to Living with Less. Journey to Launch is supported by First Republic Bank. Now more than ever, First Republic's priority is serving their clients and communities. Their personalized banking solutions go deeper than a transaction. For over 30 years, First Republic has striven to leave a positive impact on the communities they serve. From presenting grants to nonprofits in need to going the extra mile to connect individuals experiencing hardship with fair loans, the bank is focused on doing the right thing. I've been more intentional about who I bank with and where I put my money, which is why I've opened up an account with First Republic. They even do monthly education and social online events for their clients on a variety of fun and educational topics. No matter what your financial goals are, your dedicated First Republic banker will be there to guide you every step of the way. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, journeyers! I have a special treat for you. I mean, every week is a special treat, but this is really special because this guest and I, we tried this before once. And we're, we <laughs> tried to record this conversation, but God had other plans. And you know what? I have, a, I have a story to tell Christine when we get into this about why I think that happened or just how it benefited me that we had delayed this conversation. But I have the Afro-Minimalist, on the podcast, Christine Platt. Hi, Christine.
1: Hey, how are you? Good. I can't wait to hear this story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so a little backstory. So Christine and I started to record this podcast episode uh, a couple weeks ago. We had some technical difficulties. So we got about like 15 minutes into the conversation and it was so great. And I was like, okay, we'll just reschedule. But over that weekend, I was like, you know what? I need to clear out my closet. Like I was being, I was very inspired. <laughs> by reading your book and really knowing that like my closet was a hot mess that I needed to throw things out. I've been delaying it for a while. And so it gave me the space to really like throw out and donate a lot of things in my closet. It looks so much better now. I feel so much better. So I was like I can't wait to tell Christine this now when we have our, our conversation again.
1: It's so funny because um you know ever since the book came out, <laughs> I'll get text messages from friends. It's usually it'll just be like garbage bags or you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) or bins or I'll receive dms from people and I love it I mean I love that so many people are being inspired and I'm sure we'll get into today I mean our stuff extends beyond the price tag right like there's just so much there So I'm just really glad that you were inspired in that way. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I can't wait to finish our conversation because we were definitely on a roll.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, so one of the things that I did mention is when I first started reading your book, I was on the beach and I got really emotional. And I was like, I don't know if it was the margaritas or (laughs) this. this part in your book where you say it's really upfront in the beginning and it's like for our ancestors, living with less is now our choice. Yes. And it really framed this for me because I know some of the pushback even in my own mind, you know, or from Mm -hmm. other people when it talks about minimalism, especially for people of color, especially for black people is, does this mean we can't have things and why like our ancestors, the people before us were denied so many things. This is our time to have and to be the choice factor is a big deal. So I want you to get into your story as the Afro-minimalist, how you came to be this and what brought you to this place where you wrote a book about it. and how Almost kind of on leading your own movement within the movement that makes it more inclusive for people of color.
1: You know, I think I started like most people in the sense that, you know, you wake up one Saturday morning thinking about everything that you have to clean, looking at the piles of laundry, all the stuff that you have to do. And I was just like, This is just all too much. Like, (laughs) there has to be another way. And of course, whenever you search online about, like, how to simplify your life, how to be organized, like, all these things about minimalism would come up. And so that Saturday, and it was actually five, yeah, about five years ago now, I decided that I was going to start my journey into minimalism. But I had no idea what I was getting into because mainstream media focuses so much on the aesthetics. And so I was focused on, I can't wait until my house is aesthetically <laughs> minimalist, right? Like just clean lines and few things and a neutral color palette. And what I discovered on my journey was that, you know, like I just said earlier, it's so much more than our things, right? And it led me to, you know, ultimately I didn't end up marrying. <laughs> the aesthetic that i saw on pinterest and i hated it. It didn't feel like me. It didn't feel good. I missed colors, i missed fabrics and textures. And so i was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to create my own little version of minimalism. And you know, black folks like to to claim something as ours. We put afro in front of it. So i was like, <laughs> i'm the afro minimalist, you know? And then i began sharing my journey online because i'm like, surely i'm not the only person out there. And first of all, I'm not the only black minimalist. Let's just start there. Secondly, I know I'm not the only minimalist of color. I think Marie Kondo had like just come out, but she was like the only other person of color that was in the minimalist space. And then also I was like, you know what? I also want to just share this just in case there are any other people out there who may just be curious about a minimalist lifestyle, but wonder how does it kind of look when you do it your own way? And Jamila never expected it would become what it has become now I mean as you know I write children's books you know I work at the uh, anti-racism center at American University like I mean I had a very full life and this was just a way for me to share this aspect of my life on social media and uh, what ended up happening it was just this (laughs) following came and it started with other minimalists who were like yeah I mean I use color too and why is the face of minimalists so aesthetically pleasing instead of focusing on the practice, which is really living with intention and being authentic? And my platform just grew and grew and grew. And then last summer, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, I think I had just finished writing like my last children's book, and the world had slowed down, Jamila. And it was just such a beautiful time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my agent said, uh, I think this would be a good time to like work on your Afro minimalist book. Like people are quarantined. They're sitting and dealing with their stuff for the first time. They can't escape it. And she was like, why don't we put a proposal together? And I put a proposal together. And the first editor we sent it to said, absolutely. And wow. now here we are. So yes, yeah. I got, I <laughs> received the book deal, wrote the book. The book was published all in less than, a year, which I do not recommend to anyone, but I'm glad yeah, that's I did fast. it <laughs> that's
0: according to, you know, standard publishing because things can take like three years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're usually on a 18 month cycle, but you know, even they saw the, the urgency in this message. And so I'm grateful Jamila. I mean, and so now here I am one of the few black women practitioners in the minimalist space, you know, just trying to spread the word. I mean, my book was written for everyone, but I really, you know, have these special call outs for people of the African diaspora and other marginalized communities, because like you said, sitting there, you know, looking at that quote in the beginning and getting emotional, we just have a very different relationship. And, you know, this history and generational things that we're carrying in regards to our things.
0: And what I love about when I was finding similarities between the minimalist movement and even the FIRE movement, the financial independent retire early movement, which Mm -hmm. I am. I always say I have like one foot in that movement and (laughs) one foot in just like life and personal finance in general, because it's the same thing. I knew that there were so many people in the space before I came into it um, that were doing great work and I learned from, but it was something missing. There was no Mm -hmm. connection of the story and the background, the nuances that they would not be able to pick up. I, mm-hmm. I saw we're missing. And I think it's so important for people to be inclusive, but it's hard when you don't have a reference point where you don't have the lived experience. And so I think yeah. you in the forefront now, um, and I know that there are other people in this space that are people of color and black people. Like I just see more of it happening now and more people coming mm-hmm. out with their own platforms and podcasts and blogs in both spaces in a minimalist space and the fire movement and personal finance. I love it because we need representation and it matters.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really changes things. And it's so funny because I've, I mean, I've heard from people of all races and ages and, you know, they'll say, I mean, you know, I always liked the idea of simplicity and minimalism, but every time I would look at those photos, I couldn't do it. It was so barren, you know, like, (laughs) I think there's, there's something powerful about sharing our stories. And for those who are willing to, if it's the FIRE movement, really talk about your finances. For me, it's the minimalist movement and really talking about, you know, let's get into like the psychology of ownership. Like, let's get into the heart and nuance of what we're doing because you really have an opportunity to help someone aspire to a different life and also be a source of inspiration, which I think is so important. And like you said, I mean. These are considerations that a lot of other people don't make. If it's not their lived experience, it's not something that they're going to think about. But in quite a few decluttering specialists who have said, I wish you could see my, my, the copy of my book. It's dog-eared. It's highlighted. It's mm-hmm. tabbed. Yeah. Because these are considerations that I never ever thought of making for my BIPOC clients, which I think is so powerful, you know?
0: Yeah. And here's the one. So the call, one of the call outs and something that I think is so complex. And I hope to also talk more about this and in my future book and just in general, my content, because you just mentioned the nuance of ownership for black people and marginalized groups. You have this in your book and I've read this in other books that have really did a good job of really understanding our experience with ownership Mm -hmm. and the false sense of security that it can provide because we have been denied so much in this country, you know, coming from slaves, the descendants of slaves. And so we see ownership and stepping into wealth and having nice things like that's a win. Like we want that, Mm -hmm. we celebrate that, but it could also be detrimental to building real wealth. Can we talk about that? Because that's one of the things where there are a lot of people talking now about, you know, We deserve luxury, which I believe. We deserve nice things, which I believe. But I just think some of that is counterproductive to building real wealth. And it may be rooted, and you talk about this in the book, and still white supremacy and or this capitalist society that it's not really good for us, even though we're pretending or it is packaged as if it is good for us. So let's talk about that. Yeah,
1: I mean, and and the thing is that I like to, you know, one of the reasons I like to share on my platform so much is to show what a very I mean you can still have a luxurious life. You can still buy things, right? I don't know where this sense of either or, you know, sort of mm. comes from because you can have both, which is what I want to tell people. But you really want to understand that if all of your your wealth and your resources are tied up in buying things, have the opportunity or the resources to build generational wealth, right? Our things are not going to, few things <laughs> will build generational wealth, right? It's obviously very different if you're, you know, let's say a collector of Rolexes or this or that, right? But it's still a consideration that the average person has to make, the person who is living paycheck to paycheck, right? And like, yes, your paycheck comes and you're like, gosh, I worked so hard. Oh, these last two weeks sucked. I want to buy thing. Right. (laughs) And then next thing you know, like it's a week later and you're like, Oh my God, I cannot wait until my next payday. Like that is concerning. Right. The story that I like to share is when, um, (laughs) my daughter, when she was younger, she had this American girl doll and this American girl doll, Jamila, it lived an amazing life. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It had a house. It had a bed. It had, you know, I mean, it had everything. I remember even buying it like a tiny Christmas tree that we decorated with tiny ornaments. Wow. It had a violin because she played the violin, right? And it's like, yes, all of that was really cute and wonderful and fun, except for if we had an unexpected expense, a flat tire, a this or that, right? You're like, all of a sudden scrambling. That is concerning. Yes, I could out that stuff. Right like, I mean, I was working, I got paid, <laughs> and I could buy it. But could those resources could have been better spent being saved, invested? Right. We have a choice to make, and oftentimes, you know, to your point about you know, understanding whether am I like buying into this capitalist structure and society, right? Like we have come to a st- things. Um, And and owning certain things and having certain things with the American dream, wealth, we have made it, right? And in reality, (laughs) that is not what wealthy people do, right? And that is not how wealthy people get wealthy, especially when you're first generation, second generation, six-figure income earner. You don't have a generation of people who have told you this is what you do. Here's how you invest in the land that we left for you. Here's how you invest. you see what I'm saying? Like you yeah. are literally starting from scratch and instead of investing in American Girl doll house with all the things and all the stuff, figure out how you can get some investment property. You know what I mean? Like that's right. what I want people to start to think about. And I think marginalized groups find themselves, just in this very, very slippery slope of a place (laughs) where we are just more prone to conspicuous consumption, right? Like we're more prone to buy things because of the status it gives or the perceived status or wealth that it gives. We're more prone to looking at aspects of our childhood and finally having an opportunity to fulfill those unfulfilled wants, right? So many first-gen folks grew up with, you know, scarcity, food scarcity. There's so many things that play a role in our adult spending habits and behaviors. And if we're not careful, and if we don't do that self-inquiry and work, figure out what those are, we find ourselves looking up one day and we're 60, 70, and like, I have nothing. I have nothing to retire on. I have nothing to leave my children and grandchildren. And all those things that you bought all those years, they're long gone. They're gone. Mm,
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you say it in the book, outsourcing your sense of self-worth. And that can happen if we're not conscious of what we're doing. So I love that you were talking about this.
1: Yeah. You have to be really careful. Mm -hmm. When you talk
0: about minimalism, how did you start your journey? So someone now listening was realizing, okay, maybe I do have too many things. I know this. I just haven't done anything about it. What started you on your path? Like, What were the steps you took so that someone listening now can begin to reimagine their life and their things?
1: Well, yeah. So first of all, they don't need to do what I did because I didn't have a guide. (laughs) I wrote a guide. (laughs) I wrote the guide that I wish that I would have had. And, you know, I think the steps that I put in that book are what I did unknowingly is acknowledging that you have more than you need, Right. And going through that process, I was just like, you know, you look around and you're like, I actually have a lot of stuff. Then you start pulling stuff out and you're like, why do I have, right? Like that mm-hmm. why is the part that mainstream minimalism also left out. I started to do just a little deeper, like when did I become a bargain shopper, right? You know, like digging into those aspects of my childhood and past and Not- that acknowledgement for me was, was the first step. And that acknowledgement can be very emotional and painful, which is what led me to write Step Two, which is forgiveness. I remember standing in front of my piles of things. I didn't have any guidance, like go in categories. Don't think you can do this in a weekend. Like I didn't have any <laughs> any of that. Mm-hmm. So I just pulled every yeah. be a weekend warrior, and then all of a sudden, it was. Look at all this stuff. There's no way you're going to get through it in in one weekend. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling very emotional and I cried. I was angry with myself. I was sad, like all these different things. Step three Three is when I felt that I could let go, right? Because I had worked through the acknowledgement. I had worked through the forgiveness.
0: I like that you're saying it takes a while too. So this is not something that you can do overnight, right? This is a process, an ongoing one. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, journeyers, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Christine. I saw so many similarities between her journey into minimalism and my journey into financial independence and just the movements itself. And I love how she was able to carve out a space in which she can now hold space for people who may not have felt included and represented otherwise. And it just, it's amazing to see people stepping up and becoming the representation, becoming the thing that they wish to see in the world, creating the platform. I just love being able to have that conversation. And of course, living with less so we can have more, okay? Our option, we have options to choose what we want and we can choose less. And it doesn't mean that we are less, right? We are still deserving, we are still worthy, but we don't need to outsource our worthiness to things in order to prove our worth to other people. All right. Don't forget, you can win a copy of the Affirmitalist book by going to journeytolaunch.com slash win. Put that name and email in to get entered. That's how we'll know to draw your name from the list of potential winners. Also... You can follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave a review that secures that you are now entered to win one of the books. And by the way, it is only U.S. only people. Sorry for my international folks who are listening, but U.S. only participants only uh, where we can ship the book. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there.